everyone, it's time for us to get started for tonight. Wait for Pat to get over here. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Great love, we, God, we praise you. We love you and thank you as we study your word. We ask that you open our hearts, open our minds to understanding. Help us to bring glory and honor to your name, Lord God, to, as we leave this building, to be able to grow stronger in our faith and, and a way to honor you with answers and helping people uh, as we try and strive to give a defense for the things that we believe. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. Still getting over cold, so I'll just, if I do a little dap or something like that tonight, I don't want anyone to get, uh, get sick. <clears throat> okay, 2 Timothy three sixteen is where we're going, because we were talking about the Bible being a self-help book, right? And it is, that's exactly what it is. It, it, uh, it's not just a book for doctrine, it has all kinds of uh, reasons for its existence, and I want to look at some scriptures to help us, first a, a quick reminder, but to help us to, to gain that deeper understanding and that, that belief system that the Bible really is what it says it is, okay? So 2 Timothy 3 in verse 16 and verse 17, it's designed to guide us, right? That's what the Bible is designed for. It's going to guide us to God is going to guide us to heaven. And you can pick it up, and you can read it, and that's exactly what it does, right? But tonight I want to give us specific, a few specific scriptures as Christians that we can go to to help us in our walk of faith as God's word guides us. Uh, so for the first thought, verse 16, uh, something we already know, all scriptures inspired by God. We already know that. We get that. We, we don't have to prove that to anyone. But it's profitable, right? And look at what it's profitable for in verse 16. For teaching. For teaching who? Me. I mean, yeah, you too, but right? God wants to teach me about him. God wants me to know things about him that I don't already know. And I want to know things about God that I don't know. And I want to know things about who else? Me. Right? Because there's some things that has to happen in my mind that cannot happen without God. Right? That transformational power comes from God. So his word is good for teaching. Now, when he starts teaching me, what's going to happen? I'm going to be reproved. Because, you know, when I became a Christian, um, what was the first thing that I learned a lot of? The same thing, what was that? Yeah, right? How bad I was and what, what not to do. You know, when you're a child and you're growing up and you think your name is no-no, right? <laughs> right? No, no, no. And so you start learning things. And you're going, oh, wait a minute. That's not how I'm supposed to think. That's not how I'm supposed to talk. That's not how I'm supposed to react or respond. So God's word is, see, we've, we've looked at God's word often, at least I know uh, I did it when I first started growing in Christ, looking at everybody else because it was easier to do that, right? But that's not how this book is really designed. Although it does work that way, but it's designed for me too, right? I never can do that. Never look at everybody else without look, first looking at yourself. Okay, so for, for teaching, for reproof, 
then I need some correcting, right? God's going to correct me, and God's going to train. You like, people don't like that word train, but uh, my version says, and the next one, for correction and for training, and, um, you know, is, you train a horse, you train a pet, do you train a human? Uh, God says he does, right? That's several times in the Bible listed, um, train up a child, right? Uh, training, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, training. Man might train his sense of discern good and for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, right? We are, we, we have to, we need, I need that um, in righteousness. And then, and then here's the end result, that the man of God may be equipped. So I, now God's going to equip me, you know, we talk about the armor of God and all those things, but equip me for, um, for what is, is necessary, and I'm adequately equipped, right? So I'm ready. Okay, what do I need to be ready for? Who am I fighting? To, to me, <laughs> fighting myself, my own will and my own desire, and I'm fighting Satan, right? And all the things that go with that, right? So that's really important. So, so here's God's self-help book that says, look, I'm going to help you to get to where you need to be. Now, what do I use for that? So we know it's God's word. Now let's get a good look at God's word. Let's go to Psalm 19. Let's get a good, take a good look at God's word uh, to help. I, I don't want to say help our faith or, or our, our confidence or conviction in God, but we're going to look at God's word to to give us just, if you will, a little more insight that is necessary for our, for our belief system, right? He gives examples of the sun and, and the, uh, running its, its course. Uh, he talks about the heavens, that the heavens declare a continual message about God, right? The heavens are, are telling the, the, um, uh, the, the greatness of God, if you will, the glory of God. But I want to grab verse 7. Now, this is important because here's a question. Have you ever read the Bible and had a hard time believing what it says? You know, like you read something and you go, wait, does it really say? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I know I have, right? Where I'm going, oh, wait a minute. That, how do I deal with that, Lord, right? So, so to erase the, the, the struggle, God says something about himself and his word that, does, that is totally the opposite of me. You know what it says in verse 7? The word of God is perfect. Well, I know I'm not, so I'm going to have to go with God on that, right? And say, okay, Lord, I don't, I, I don't understand this, but, it, 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 but if you say it, it has to be right, right? Because God's word goes against the, 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 the if you will, the way of people and humanity. It goes the opposite. We're like going in the opposite direction. The world, they're all rushing this way, and, and we're going this way, and, and there's this struggle, and people are pushing us, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's difficult to get that way when everyone's going the opposite direction, and you start questioning sometimes, am I, am I in the wrong lane? Am I going the wrong way? And God says, no, you're not. And then it doesn't really always feel too good either, because then you're ostracized, right? So you kind of ostracize yourself, but it's because you're going the wrong way, which but we're going the right way. And I have to remind myself continually that I am going in the right way and not in the wrong way. So God's book is a self-help book. It's saying instead of um, being in a room and everyone's staring at you and everyone over there, they're all right and they're saying you're wrong. And you're in the room going, no, I, I'm, I know I'm right. And everyone else, you know, people who don't believe in God, they're wrong. How do you get the strength to say it doesn't matter what everyone believes, 
I know I'm right because this is what God says. How do you get that strength to stand up against, against self and, and others? So the law, of the, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And so restoration, when does that happen? Continually, doesn't it? Right? We, we always need restoring. We always need help. Just, Lord, pick me up again because I've fallen again or I've, I'm struggling again. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Who can discern his errors? Equip me from of hidden faults. Also, Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins and let them not rule over me. So notice the transition. Did you catch the transition in verse 11? Actually, it's in verse 12. But that, that transition, um, it talks about the servant in verse 11 is warned by the word of God. In keeping them, there's a great reward. Verse 12, the transition. Who can discern his errors? Now, now we're pointing it to God. We're going, well, you know, God, maybe you're not always right. No way, okay. So do you have anything that you can bring to the table to prove that God is not right. Who can discern? Who, who can do that? Are there any errors with God? No. Okay, so when we look at the Bible, we're not looking at a self-help book that, um, that is created by some man who is pretty smart but not always right. We're reading the Word of God that's always right and it's not given to us or made by a man. It's coming straight from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we don't have to question it uh, in, our, in our walk and in our faith. Okay, last two verses, then we'll get into this. Also keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the heart of my, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, uh, so there's God's word put into a nutshell for us. And, and I want you to think about Something about God's Word. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And by the way, thank you for your, your prayers. I should have started off with that. Uh, my family and I appreciate that. All that is in the world. So there's this umbrella. I want to look at two umbrellas. Two, uh, um, I call them umbrellas. I don't know if they, you, you have a different word or idea. I think of an umbrella. I think of a, and, you know, a chute that opens and then it has a, um, one leg that comes down. And the, the leg that comes down uh, for the world is threefold, right? And it's a little more burdensome to kind of hold on to a threefold item when I only have two hands. But the umbrella of God is singular. It's just one, right? You can, hold, you can put both your hands on there, and you can hold on to it. And, and if you hold on to that one leg, you're in, you're in great shape. But if, you, you're, if you're holding on to all three, it's, anyway, we'll come to the three in just a moment. Uh, so... Matthew 11, Jesus makes a statement, and, but I've heard people speak contrary to this statement. Uh, in verse 28, Come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. So let's take that from an elementary 
perspective first. I mean, so from a grand perspective, we go, yeah, obviously, this is what the Bible says. I believe it. But what do you compare it to? Because a lot of Christians will say, you know, being a Christian is kind of tough. And, 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 you know, we have our different um, ideas about why Christianity uh, is or isn't as tough as one may describe. But what do you compare it to? Right? So Jesus says, my load is light. My load is is easy. If you think of comparatively speaking, to what? All right, so God's umbrella that is light is just one. And you know what it is? It's love. Everything about God, every motivation, every word of God, every thought from God surrounds itself and is, is you know, deep within the, the realm of love. Everything. There's not one thing about God. In fact, that word in the Bible is loving kindness, which is not a word that you can actually, it's basically it's eternal. So since we can't, we don't understand eternity, you can't understand God's love. That's how deep God's love is. And God's love, everything under God, is everything that's there is all about love. That's pretty easy, right? Until you have to love your what? enemy, right? Okay, all right, so we, but that's God's umbrella. It's love. Now, the umbrella of the world is threefold. So you, you've heard it. You've read it before in your scriptures. Uh, for all that's in the world, let's go read it. First John 2. Let's just, I want to just grab it. Verse 15. All that's in the world, there are three things that are in the world, and that, that those three things drive the world, motivate the world, push the world in the wrong direction, and, and uh, plague the world. And they are in verse 16, but verse 15. Do not love the world, back to love, though the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away, and also is lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. So, there's that threefold leg I'm talking about. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so those are the three things tugging at us. But under Jesus, it's just love. Love is the motivator. Love is, love is, love is everything. So love or, here's the converse, right? The opposite, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the boast of pride of life. So we're talking about the Bible being a self-help book. So, we can see a, a diverse difference, a strong difference between God and the world, can't we? Right? So between Christianity, true Christianity, and the world, there's a difference. It is totally separate and apart. Right? Totally separate and apart. And that's really important. Now, watch what happens when we start thinking about the Bible as a self-help book. We start asking very important and critical questions about self. So we're going to 2 Peter chapter 1. Where in my life am I struggling? And I'm going to use this in, in one way. The question is, where am I struggling the most? But the real question is, where am I struggling? Because usually if we're struggling, um, and you know, we don't always know where we're struggling the most. We just know where we're struggling. 
oftentimes we, we treat the symptoms but never the problem, right? So, but we got to treat the problem. So, but let's start with the simple, and that is, where am I struggling the most, and then, uh, or, or struggling rather in general, and then, and then we'll get to the most. And we're going def- to just narrow the things down. If I were trying to narrow it down, let's say you're sitting in a, in a, a room with, um, with a person, and they're talking to you about their life, and you're trying to figure out how you can help them best. Or you're in your own room by yourself, and you're struggling, and you're wondering, how can I help the, myself the best? I'm going to show you some ideas you can use that will help every single time. And I only say that because the Bible says it. So um, it obviously starts off with faith. We know we're talking about faith, right? We have to have faith. And when you, when you have faith, you couple faith with works. Faith without works is dead. We, we understand that. We have that clear in our mind. But listen to God's sevenfold formula. Some have said it's the seven steps to heaven. And you could say that if you want to, but what, just call it whatever you want to. But, but look, at these, look at these principles, these, these powerful uh, things that God says to us. I'm going to start down in verse um, 10. 2 Peter 1, verse 10. Uh, I don't want you to start there, but, but I want to start there to start our class, okay? Um, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, what? What does it say? Does everyone in the Bible say the same thing? Everyone got that? I'll make sure we're on the same page. All right. You will never... Okay. All right. So I'm walking in my Christian faith, right? And I'm, oh, I'm sitting in my room. Something's going on in my life. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling. I'm tripping up. I'm, I'm falling. I'm, I'm weak. I'm... Okay. So then that means I'm missing something. I'm not practicing something. I'm missing something, right? Now, we could go through the dictionary and start in the A's. And go, but God says, no, you only have to look at seven things in your life, right? Because somewhere in one of these seven, this is what you're missing. Somewhere one of these seven is causing, not, maybe it's not causing you to stumble, but it's where you're stumbling. And as you're crumbling, um, someone said to me uh, not long ago, they said, I feel like my world is crumbling. And I said, you cannot stop a world that's crumbling around you, but you can start over and rebuild, right? So, I mean, you can stand there and try to hold the wall, but <laughs> let's just rebuild it, right? Let's rebuild it, build it, and God helps us to do that. How do we do that? Okay, so there's seven things. There's moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and Christian love. That's it. Those are your seven. If you do these things, you will never what? So if I'm missing one of these things, what's happening to me? I'm stumbling. I, it, it's not difficult. It's just really, it, not, the, the hard part sometimes is remembering to go and look. But look at verse 5 now. Okay, so we have the, the answer. Uh, and by the way, and then it goes in and says you're going to heaven. Um, verse 5. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and your moral excellence knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Moral excellence. Moral excellence doesn't necessarily limit itself to moral practices. So this is kind of a weird thing here. It doesn't limit itself to morality in the sense of 
moral practices. But what it does is it, it encompasses moral practices, but it also encompasses the answer to being able to be moral. Okay, and what, what I mean by that, which is, is it takes courage to be moral in an immoral world, right? Think about that, because you have to say no. That's, right? So here's morality, and someone uh, offers you something, uh, and, and doing it like Jesus, he did it in a kind way, but someone offers you something that's sin, you have to say what? No. But what, what happens, though? We start saying, like, oh, I don't want to be rude. No, be rude. Feel free to be rude when it comes to that, right? Say no. When it comes to an immoral practice, say no. Say, well, I'm really having a hard time saying no. Well, guess where you might be struggling in your walk of faith? Think about that, right? I'm just, you know, I, you know, uh, I just, it, they, they say, if I love them, I would, you know, yeah, okay, well, guess where you're struggling? You see that? Right? And so, well, we've got to start at the beginning. Um, the next one is, is knowledge. So you can just think about all the things that involve itself around morality or the courage to do the right thing. The courage to do the right thing. And then knowledge. Uh, we know the very, the very second thing, that knowledge is knowing God, not knowing about God. There's a difference, right? So my, my moral excellence and my rightness is because of my faith, right? I'm doing it diligent in my faith. My moral excellence, my mindset, surrounds itself around, around the knowledge of God, right? Now, what if I don't know God? What's going to happen to my morality? It's going to be off, right? I may have learned from a different God what morality really is, you know? It's, it's a Jeffrey Dahmer. Let's use him as an example, right? He didn't know God, right? And so what did he do? He murdered humans and ate them. And guess what Jeffrey Dahmer finally learned? God. And guess what he realized? His compass was off. You see? And, and so he, he uh, later surrendered and things of that sort. My knowledge of God. Uh, the next one is self-control. So you say, boy, these, this person's out of control. Well, what's, what's going on in their lives? You know, how, how do we live or how do we gain a life of, of uh, the lack of control? We're always fighting that, right? We're, we're fighting the balance. Right here's that balance of, of right and wrong and, and being uh, self-controlled and self-governed and being right with God. Following the rules, right? I'm out of control. I'm just, my life's out of control. I'm, I'm not following the rules. Well, all right, let's go back to God. My knowledge of God says what? Follow the rules, right? But, but God, I'm struggling with following the rules. Well, you need what? Moral excellence. You need courage to do the right thing. See, so yeah, you can go backwards with this. So you can go forwards or you can go backwards. So it doesn't matter where you, if you, where you start uh, as you're thinking about your self-help. Maybe, you, maybe you're, you're, struggling, I mean, you're struggling with understanding how morality could have anything to do with what I'm, what I'm going through um, or why I'm stumbling or, or knowledge or self-control or the next one, perseverance. Maybe, you know, it's okay. Just start somewhere in this, in this text and start writing out what you're going through. And you'll be amazed at how it will, it will line up right here with this text. Just write it out. You can have someone else tell you also if you like. But this idea of, of perseverance um, is some, some versions will use 
uh, the, the word patient, patiently, persistently facing trials or tribulation. You're uh, standing up is what Peter talks about under the trial, right? It's standing up. Under, you know, in other words, you're, you bow down to it and you surrender, but now you're going to stand up to it, stand up under it, right? Until you can stand upright. Uh, and so you continue to persevere. You keep trying. You keep struggling. You keep fighting. Fighting is a better word than struggling, but you struggle through the fight, right? You keep going. And so, like, sometimes, you ever been tempted not to come to worship on Sunday? You know, you had a late night on Saturday, you're like, oh, I'm just so tired. Yeah, ever been there? But you have to stand up under your trial. You got to stand up and do right, right? You got to fight against the temptation and the urge to do the wrong thing, right? Morality. And the text continues in, in this passage, and the, this one's always, always a kicker. It's like, all right, either, either always start above this one or below this one. <laughs> Godliness, to be like God. Am I being like Jesus? Well, of course not. That's usually the sarcastic answer we always give ourselves to um, excuse my behavior. So never start with godliness. Because, well, I, I don't, uh, because it's easy to justify that one away, right? Of course not, God was perfect, you know. No, well, yeah, I get it. But godliness, brotherly kindness, uh, am I being like, like Jesus, and why not? Well, because I'm angry. Okay, I, I get that. And I don't want to forgive. Or, you know, you see how these, these are very real-life things that we're talking about um, that we struggle with in our Christian walk of faith. And, and not being like God challenges the next two. Because the next two is phileo, brotherly kindness. Right? I don't want to, I'm using that one. I don't want to forgive right now my whomever. I just don't want, to, I don't want to be brotherly kind. I don't care if they ask for forgiveness or not. I just don't. I'm angry. I, I'm, you know, whatever, right? See, if you're not like God, you have a really hard time forgiving. Right? And so, now, now that idea, that thought, brotherly kindness, am I being phileo? Am I being Philadelphia? Am I being like God? And then, the last one is love. You know what that one is, right? That's agape. That's the next step. And so, looking at a self-help, you can look at these seven things and say, okay, uh, am I aligned with God? Well, how's my faith? How, how's, how's my lifestyle right now? And if I'm stumbling, then I got to go back and fix something. What do I have to fix? I don't know where to start. Start with these seven. Start writing down all the things you can think about, right? And just figure out where you are. It's a self-help. You can, if you, go to a, if you go to a brother in Christ, a brother could help or a sister could help, you know, someone. You could say, okay, you look at these seven things and think about them in light of what you understand them to be. And I'm going to start telling you everything I'm going through right now. And then you try to help me figure out where to start with these seven. It's nice to have a good place to start, Right? with these seven. And then it, it just makes it easy. We can work together and we can, we can figure this out. Now, I'm making one step easier. Let's really start narrowing it down. So, so this is the biggie, these seven. But you, when you're looking for a place to start, okay, am I struggling with, what were the three things under the umbrella of Satan in the world? The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Which one of those three? 
That's your starting point. Figure out which, I mean, it could be all three. It could be two of the three. Which one of these three am I struggling with? And then I go to this list, right? Because I want to start narrowing things down. That's the point of, you know, you're going through a, a, it's not a huge funnel. You know, thank God that he didn't give us a huge funnel. He narrows it down. You got three, a leg of three. One of these three, if I'm sinning against God and I can't shake it and I can't stop, it's one of these three. And then I, and I've got to be challenged on one of those three. And then I've got my self-help in my, number, in my one through seven. And here's what I believe. This is what I found in all the years of counseling and helping people that's worked every single time, helping myself, helping others. Uh, I, I'm not saying that this is God's design, but it's kind of hard when you go down the list. To, you can't skip. I think they're in order for a reason. Right? Faith, diligence in your faith. Right? All about faith. Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and brotherly kindness. I think... Um, in love, I think the seven are in order for a reason. It'd be kind of hard to step off to someone, okay, you're a Christian now, all right, here's where you start. I want you to start with agapeo love, okay? You make sure you get that under control, and then your life's good to go. It's like, I don't even know what agapeo love is, all right? It's love without condition. Uh, well, I got a problem with that. I've got some people that are, you know, you don't start there, all right? You don't, that's, you, it's the opposite. You start at the top of the list for a reason. Look at what it says. Uh, verse, verse 10 and verse 9, rather. I'm sorry. I have to go back to verse 8 and 9. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his formal sins. So where does this begin? It begins at baptism. All right? So, number one, we want to be useful, right? Not blind or short-sighted. We want to be useful to God. And if you're practicing these things, so uh, faith without works is dead, so you've got to do stuff, right? You can't just you do stuff. So, um, if you're practicing these things, um, then you find your place in Christ. You'll find it, right? It's like when someone says, I'm just going to go to a clinic and you start talking about being depressed. Uh, one of the things they tell you to do is go out, get to work. You know, go do some exercise, go walk around the track, go, you know, get active, get busy, go back to work, stay at work, you know, be around people, distract your mind. It's always doing something. So we got faith and works together. And, and God says, um, you don't forget the, the place of gratification, which is your baptism. That's where you start, right? Like, okay, let's go back. Okay, it starts right there. This is the day that God changed everything for me, right? He changed my world. Turn me back. Uh, you know, upright, if you will, and forgave me. And so there's that, that part where you're saying, I can't get, I don't, I don't know, I just, no one loves me. Go back to your baptism, right? Um, I'm really struggling with my, go back to your baptism. Find a reason to be thankful. That's a good start. You can start right there, right? So you have a starting point, uh, and so important. And then, of course, the end of it, let's read verse 12, and, and close, uh, verse 11, rather, and close this section out. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. So, it's pretty good. Now, what, what you'll have to do is go back and, and you know, really digest this, this, these verses. Uh, again, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's going to be one of these three, and then that helps to narrow it down. And so, whatever it is, let's say it's pride. If it's pride, then I come over here to these seven, and I narrow it down, right, under the umbrella of pride, 
right? Not all three legs, kind of hard to juggle all three, but you got to get, okay, pride and go figure out what's going on in my life, in my world. Why does it work? Uh, why am I telling you it works? Why does it work? I'm not smart enough to tell you it doesn't work because God, God says it's going to work. It's in his word. He says you'll never stumble. So if I'm stumbling, obviously, it must work, right? If never is a big word, I can never use the word never in a sentence about myself. But God says you will never stumble. So the opposite is if I'm stumbling, I got to go back to the never. I got to figure it out, right? So listen to the, the divine portion of it. Go back to verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. What did he leave out? Yeah, what did he leave out? Nothing. There you go. Because he, he gave us everything, right? He gave us everything. Wait a minute, God, if you gave us everything, and then in context, you just gave us seven things. He goes, don't worry, that's everything. That's all you need. Work on those seven. You'll be busy (laughs) for the rest of your life, right? All right. He gave us everything. Verse 4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So we're battling against lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And the boast of proud life. I mean, I, you go back and you, you study 2 Peter 1, verses uh, 1 through 11, 5 through 11, wherever, wherever you want like to start on that. And you really, really dig and think about that in light of Jesus says that his yoke is easy, Matthew 11. But, but the world has three things. And it's a tremendous struggle for us. You know, we are fighting every day against those three things. And that's it. That's, that's the battle. It's, it's these three things. Right? You could, every, every sin that you can think of, that you've seen, that you know, that you, whatever, it's one of those three. God tells us that's all the world has to offer. Everything fits under that umbrella. Okay, now we're going to go to, we have time. One more passage, um, Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. And you know the fruit of the Spirit. I want to bring a few things out about the fruit of the Spirit. Grammatically speaking, it technically should be fruits, right? Because there's more than one. But it doesn't say that. It's specifically fruit. It's singular coming from the Holy Spirit. It is singular. It is fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's think about fruit of the Spirit. Um... Let me just start with the first one, love. That one's, let's start with that one. What is different about a fruit of the Spirit called love and fruits of the Spirit, as we think of characteristics of following God or Jesus or commandments in the same word love? What's different? I mean, they're both love, right? Love is love, isn't it? We even, we even hear that. Love is love, love is love. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, is dynamically different from the world love or love without the Spirit or the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Let me explain to you why. Every human being, for the most part, I'm speaking generically, I've not spoken to every human being, but I pretty much guarantee you probably it's true. 
every human being has some measure of love within them, right? They love a puppy dog. They love a, I mean, you know, they may love their puppy more than they love their parents, or they may love. I mean, there's love, right? Did Hitler love his maybe his child or his husband, his wife, or you know, for a while? Did he? Yeah, he loved, right? I mean, he's a man. He's like he was a man. He went astray, but he was a man. He loved. What would be different about Hitler's love and the love of the fruit of the spirit? What's the difference? Love of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah, his love was very specific. You're right about that for sure, right? Um, the fruit of the, and I'm not talking about the word agape, even though that is the word, but, but the fruit of the Spirit is sanctified. It's a directed love for a specific reason. Why do we love? Why do we love God? Because he first loved us. We don't love God because we just, we didn't come up with the idea of loving God. We, we love, it's like almost that love for God is something that is, um, it's an old love, O-W-E-D. It's old. You owe God. We owe God our love, right? But we don't all love God on the same level. We, some, you know, we, we begin to love God and we love God more and then we begin to love God even more. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is sanctified. It's a very set-apart work that God himself helps us in. So this is where you, you get to Philippians 2 and Philippians 3 where God works in us to do his work and do his will. This is where the Holy Spirit is, is qualifying our work. What did it say about belief? He reckons it, right? So he didn't believe all the way. You know, Abraham, oh, he was a faithful father and yet he has some unfaithful steps. But even God says Abraham believed in God and God accredited it to him or reckoned it to him as righteousness, meaning he didn't do it perfectly, but God took up the slack, right? So the Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit sanctifies our, our work, our, our fruit of the Spirit, if you will, our love, and that's what makes it different. It's set apart. It's a different kind of love. It's a loving your enemy love. It's a, it's a loving the best that we can with agape, however we fall short, and we need God to help us, right? So for example... Um, tonight we're all going to go home and we're going to pray to God and we might say to God we love him. We might say in our prayers things that we can't describe or, or, or explain. We might ask God questions that maybe we shouldn't. We might, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but we're going to pray to God. And what does the Holy Spirit do for us? Yeah, why, why does he have to intercede? I, I got this. No, because you don't know how to talk to God. You don't know, none of us know how to talk to God. The Holy Spirit has to intercede with words and groanings. Groanings, right? Do you groan in your prayer? Are you like, dear, I mean, how do you say, how do you say God groans? How, how do I even do that? How do I conceptualize the idea of I'm going to this, I'm going to God. So here's God and think, imagine the sun, I don't know, the sun falls in the room and it's here and we fall down and we're like, ooh, I mean, I don't know, what does that mean? Well, you know, but greater than that is God, the God who made the sun. How do I speak to a how do I speak to a perfect creator who is outside of time and all the things you can think of of God? When you think of the word God is so big, it's massive. How do you talk to God? We don't know how to talk to God. So the Holy Spirit, and some of us may arrogantly think we do. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, right? And so we get that through baptism, him through baptism, excuse me. Um, and so God has to take our words, those little words we use, and 
make them acceptable, presentable to God. I'll give you an example. Um, when you're going before, I'm going way back, ancient times, before the king, do you just go up and speak to him flippantly, or do you have to find your words and choose them carefully and, and show some fear and, you know, you're curtsying and you and just don't know how to, do I do it? I mean, do how many times do I do it? And, okay, yeah, right? Like Esther, you're just like, I don't, you can't just break through it. I mean, what, how do you do that? Right? Cut him a banquet. And, and then the next one, and then come to the next one. Feed him, get him for me. How do you do that? How do you talk to the, okay? But how do we talk to God? So the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is a sanctified work. When we love, we don't love um, as the world loves. Jesus tries to explain that to us. We love like God loves. Right? So what does God do in his love? God loves the undeserving. God loves the faulty people. God loves the people who don't love him back. God loves his enemies. And God, when he washed Judas' feet, didn't do it the way I would have done it. Right? When, when, God, when God gets revenge on me, is it in love? And does it have a purpose? It's not really to hurt me. It's to save me. It's got to hurt, but it's to save me. Right? All the way till the very, very end, my very last breath. Right? It's a sanctified work. And so... Uh, I want you to add, now this, this is the bonus part, right? The, here, the fruit of the Spirit is the encouraging side. When you work through lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, and you go through the seven, and you got it all nailed down, um, and then the fruit of the Spirit is the encouraging part of your next study in self-help, where you're, you're going through every part of that, that love and that, and that joy, and, and everything within that fruit of the Spirit, that sanctifying work of our great God. So let's read it quickly. But the fruit of the Spirit is, verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Freedom. That's the God has set you free. Right? So that's the greatness of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. So you start off with First John, verse chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen. All that's in the world, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Then you go over to Second Peter, chapter one, and you start verse five, read through verse seven. Seven things, right? You have a moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. It's all surrounding itself by faith, right? Diligent in our faith. We start working through this in our own minds, trying to work through it right out. What am I struggling with? And just start writing things out and allow God to reveal to you. Right? Because God's word never goes out without accomplishing what he desires. Allows God's word to go out to you to help you to figure out where you are stumbling. Right? And then when you find that, do a real diligent study on that particular section, wherever it may be. If it's um, perseverance, then do a deep study on perseverance and everything after it in Second Peter 1. And then after you finish that exhaustive study, then you go over to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, verses 22 to 24, and you get the fruit. So you say, preacher, that's going to take forever. How long do you have? <laughs> right? Take the time to do it. Right? Take the time to do it. It's good for us. 
So I didn't open up the floor too much um, uh, to discussion uh, with this section only because I wanted to get through all this. I knew it would take a class to get through just this section. Um, and we'll read one more scripture and then I'll, I'll let you go. Hebrews chapter 5. And everything comes back to asking God, right? It all comes back to asking God for help, right? Asking God for help. Okay, Hebrews 5, verse 11. And here's the answer to Hebrews 5, verse 11. Uh, concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed, excuse me, to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And here's the last one I wanted to get to. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And so you're looking at your senses that you'll be training in your life when you look at these two passages, Galatians 5 and 2 Peter chapter 1. Those are your spiritual senses, and they need training. You've got to practice them diligently, God says in 2 Peter 1. So, okay, thank you uh, for your time. If you have questions, if I mess that up a little bit, uh, please feel free to grab me. Uh, don't hug me because I'm still sick. <laughs> but anyway, uh, grab me and we'll, uh, I'll rehearse what I need to for next week. But thank you very much. Sorry, everyone.